This is Josh Smith, pastor of Prince Avenue Baptist Church in Bogart, Georgia. Our mission at Prince is simple, leading people to trust and follow Jesus. And it's our hope that this sermon would help accomplish that mission. For more information about our church, visit us at pabc.org. morning church. Uh, my name is Jace Thomas. I'm the student pastor here, which means I work with middle and high school students. Uh, and I told first service, I told first service uh, that I felt like I was set up a little bit this morning uh, because they didn't have coffee. So if the service didn't go well, I just needed them to know it had nothing to do with me, but you have coffee. So now, now I feel the pressure. Uh, if you got a Bible, go to John chapter 21, John chapter 21. And, uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but we've baptized almost 60, 70 people, something like that in the past month. Can we just celebrate that really quick? Are you kidding me? And uh, out of those 60 or 70, uh, 43 of those have been middle and high school students, uh, which has been crazy. It's been crazy. And we're going to get to John 21 in a second. And uh, we're going to be in this passage. This is something I I preached at a retreat a couple weeks ago but it's a different message. So I know we have some high school students in here going, we're going to do this again. It's a different message. Don't worry, but we're going to get to this in a second. What I wanted to do this morning a little bit is just kind of take the opportunity to tell some stories. And then I think the Lord's leading us somewhere really cool as a church right now. And we'll get into that in John 21, but just stories, because here's the deal. If you've been here at all, if you've been here at all in the last month for any Sunday, you've seen God doing things. You've been spectating and seeing God doing things, and you might not have any idea. Actually, I know for a fact, a lot of you, the majority of you, have no idea what's really been going on behind the scenes. I mean, every student, every teenager, every adult, every grandparent, young or old, whoever that's been baptized, represents this miracle we're getting in on of God saving people and redeeming people. And that miracle goes all the way back to the cross. And what we've been seeing over the last month is just a lot of people that are deciding to trust and follow Christ, taking really important steps, letting go of sin, choosing salvation, the one person who did the thing they could never do, and that's Jesus. But I I want you to understand, there's something more going on here. I've been uh, working with Millen High School students for 12 or 13 years now, and I've been in a lot of events where the gospel's preached. And I'll be honest with you guys, I've had Sundays where we've baptized 30 students before. That's not a new thing for me. Like, we've seen the Lord move before in my ministry. I I thank thank the Lord have seen uh, so many students respond to the gospel, so many students pray to accept Christ. But this isn't that. Like, this is more. There's something new. There's something different. The Spirit of God is doing something I've never experienced in my life before, and I want to tell you about it. Uh, So, you, you may not realize this, but if you took a loop around our campus you would notice we have a football stadium, and that's not just because we're a church that has a football stadium. We have a private Christian school called Prince Avenue Christian School, uh, and we have about 700 students or so that uh, go from, uh, I think, preschool all the way up to, to seniors in high school. And a few weeks ago, we took 300 high school students and uh, their teachers and faculty staff uh, to a retreat. And this is great because they literally got to miss school to go do this. This is awesome. I grew up I'm a public school kid, so when I go to North Oconee, like, I'm like, oh, I know, I know this public school air. I can breathe this. Like I, like, I relax at a public school. Prince was a new thing for me. This Christian school thing was a new thing for me. Uh, but here's the difference. You can talk about Jesus pretty much whenever you want to. And, boy, we've been talking about Jesus a lot lately. He's been doing 
some great things. We took 300 students to this retreat, and uh, maybe some of you have been to a retreat before, you've been to some kind of event where the gospel's presented. Here's what I'll tell you. When you pull people away from distractions for three days, and, and they all agree, okay, let's go for it. We're open. If God's going to speak, we want to listen. When everybody kind of does that, and you're away for three days from family, from school, from just normal life distractions, normal routine, if you preach the gospel in that environment, there's usually fruit. There's usually fruit. I, I don't think there's ever been an event like that where we've brought in somebody to preach the gospel, and someone hasn't accepted Christ. Like, that's normal. And, and I've actually seen a lot of events where, like, dozens of students will respond. I've seen that stuff. But something different began to happen at this retreat just three weeks ago. And I need you to understand some of what's been going on. Because I don't think it just has to do with the school. I don't think it just has to do with the teenagers in our church or their families. I think it has to do with our entire church, what God is doing. So I'll tell you this. Every story I'm going to tell you, it matters. But it doesn't just matter for that person. Every story you hear this morning that I've experienced in the last three weeks or that we share from Scripture, it matters for you this morning. So we present the gospel Thursday night. Wednesday was a great day. Did a lot of fun stuff, good services. But Thursday night, we get to this service, and we preach out of John 21 about Jesus and Peter. And Jesus restores Peter after he denied him, and there's breakfast on the beach. Sounds really nice. But we do a gospel invitation, and we have about 20 students respond to the gospel. It was awesome. And then we had about 20 students respond and say, I need to be baptized. I've never been baptized. I need to be obedient and take that step. And then we had about 28 students uh, respond to a call to ministry who said they felt like the Lord was setting them aside for ministry in some form, whether it's missions, local church ministry, whatever that looks like. I don't know, but they felt like the Lord was calling them to ministry. We celebrated that stuff. It was great. What happened after that, I just haven't seen a lot. For two hours after this service, anywhere you go, there are just students everywhere, and there are teachers praying for them, and there are coaches praying for them, and our student staff and interns, and, and there, there are just people praying for each other, and you could just go and pick out any student. You just grab them and say, hey, what's going on? And they'd break down, and they'd accept Christ. This went on for hours. There was one student who was in a rocking chair, and I remember looking over. I'd never seen this student before, never talked to him before, and he was rocking vigorously, like really rocking that chair. And I was like, okay. And he had his hands up, just open like this. And he was singing, and he was praying, and he was just by himself away from everybody. I'm like, all right, Lord. So I'm like, hey, you need to talk. Like, what's going on here? And he immediately hugged me, and he broke down, and he just began to tell me how he has suffered significant loss in his life. I won't share those details because they're personal to him, but significant loss that I imagine the majority of people in this room have not experienced. It was a high school student. And he said, I just felt like tonight we, we sang the song about how we can't see God, but he's moving and he's working. I think it was Waymaker. And for him, it was this realization that, okay, well, I don't have God either. I've suffered loss, and, and, and all of a sudden, I, I felt like God was never there. But now I know, even though I can't see him, he's present, and I'm ready. He looks me in the eyes and says, I'm ready. And I said, ready for what? I'm ready for Jesus to save me. So I pray with this student, let go of him. I saw him later. I was like, you good? He's like, I vented. I'm good. <laughs> but right when I let go of him, there was another student told this story. She's probably in here, Henley. Uh, we're baptizing her in a few weeks. 
and she's standing right there, and I just had this, this really hard conversation, and then Henley's there. And Henley says, hi. <laughs> I was like, hey. She said, my life's pretty much perfect. Okay. Well, why are we here? Like, what, <laughs> what do we got? She said, my life's pretty much perfect. Parents love me, love each other. Me and my siblings get along. Pretty blessed as a family. Things are great. I just go home and feel empty sometimes. So I'm like, okay, here we have this picture of these two students. Opposite ends of the spectrum. One feels like they've had everything taken from them. The other one feels like they have everything, but they still have the same need, and that's Jesus. And so we pray, and she accepts Christ. And it's just like this for hours. I'm not kidding. I've never, <laughs> I mean, the Spirit of God was moving. You just pull a student out. They hug you. They cry. You pray with them. They accept Jesus over and over and over again. We go to bed Thursday night. I wake up Friday, and I start to think, okay, the sun's up. <laughs> People have slept. Probably not, but they've tried to sleep. Thursday night was emotional, they were tired, but it's Friday. It's Friday morning, it's the last day, we're leaving after lunch. We have another service, and lo and behold, it happens again. Everywhere you go for hours, there's just students. Everywhere I go, there's just students grabbing me, talking to me, praying with me, with teachers, with, with people. It, 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 <laughs> I've never experienced anything like this before. And I finally, I'm exhausted, I'll be honest, I was just exhausted. And I finally sit down at uh, lunch and I've got this full plate of food, and there's like this cookie that's like this size sitting on top of the plate. And I'm like, finally, some sustenance because I'm whooped right now, right? And so I'm about to dig in, and then Miss um, Tracy Hathaway, who goes here and um, teaches at the school, comes in and says, Jason, I need to talk to you. I know he's a student, he needs to talk to you. I'm like, dang it, <laughs> I was about to eat, you know? So I step outside, and um, one of our students, she's a freshman in this room, uh, came to me and said, hey, I noticed a boy last night in the service or after the service, it looked like he needed to talk. So I asked him, uh, I asked him if he needed to talk, and he said, nope, I'm good, thanks. But then this morning, during service, I noticed him breaking down. And after service, he actually came and found me and said, actually, I do need to talk. I'm like, man, this is great. And some of the things that he shared were serious things. They were the kind of things where, like, this conversation needs to happen, and we need to call a parent and, and get this stuff figured out. But I'll be honest with you guys. Uh, after the student shared this with me and I was talking to Miss Hathaway, I'm like, I've never seen this kid before. Don't know who he is. Never heard of him until now. And I got a plate of food sitting in there. So I'm going to go deal with that first. And then like, we'll figure this thing out later. And right as I'm talking about this, uh, the doors open to the cafeteria and a cafeteria worker walks out with a Bible in her hand and says, hey, a uh, student left their Bible, room's cleared out, just wanted, wanted the leader to have it. So Tracy opens the Bible and says, Chase, turns it around. It's this student's name we were just talking about. So I'm like, fine, Lord, I'll eat later. <laughs> Took the Bible, immediately went and found the student. Um, had to ask around, but ran into him finally. And I said, hey, man, is this your Bible? He's like, yeah, that's my dude, thanks. I didn't, you know, I lost that. I'm like, good, yeah. Hey, are you okay? Immediately breaks down. Immediately breaks down. Begins to open up and share about some of the things he's suffering through. We pray. He immediately calls his mom. He starts telling his mom everything. Now, listen, if we would have even stopped there, the retreat ends, we go back. Cool. Retreat stuff. God moved. It was good. A little unusual. But here's what you need to understand. Like, if you've sent me an email in the last few weeks, I haven't been in my office. I haven't responded. I'm sorry. I've been walking up and down hallways at the school, just talking to students and praying with students. It hasn't stopped. Our, 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 the school called a special chapel the Tuesday after we returned, and we had hundreds of students at the altar praying. We, we had staff having to go sit in classrooms because teachers were praying over students who were broken down on a Tuesday morning. 
at school. They wear nicer clothes on Tuesdays. Like they're dressed up, they're formal, and they're, they're breaking down. Now listen, listen. Here's what I need you to understand. It hasn't stopped. God's still moving. Every day, every day since the retreat, I've walked up and down hallways and I've prayed with students to accept Christ. It hasn't stopped. Like God's doing something. And what I need us to understand, church, is that that hasn't been contained to the school. No, see, God's been doing something here. Because for the past month, we haven't just been baptizing teenagers. And we haven't just been baptizing teenagers from that school. We've been baptizing teenagers from other schools. We've been baptizing college students, kids, adults, senior adults. God is not contained to one segment or one age group or one school. He's been doing something in this church, and he's not done yet. I mean, even this morning, we're baptizing a student that I prayed with on Friday in the loft at the school to accept Christ. It's not done yet. I'm just here to tell you, church, something is happening, and it's weird. Something is happening, and it's new, and it's good, and it's like scary in a good way because it means he's doing something in your life too. But we have to realize that first. So here we are in John 21 with the apostle Peter. And what we need to know about Peter is Jesus told him that he was going to deny him. That Peter would deny Christ. And Peter said, there's no way I would do that. And then as Jesus is being arrested and investigated and tried and then crucified, Peter denies him. Christ is resurrected. He's poured his spirit out on his disciples. And then we get to the scene in John 21 with Peter and these disciples. I'm going to start in verse 2. It says, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. <laughs> they said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they said to him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast it, and now they were, were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard it, that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. You ever caught that much fish before? 153 fish. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now, let's just take a break for a second and rehash what we just read. Jesus appeared to the disciples. He's poured his spirit out on them. But Peter, who has denied Christ three times, has not had a conversation with Christ about this yet. Now, this matters because the one thing Jesus came to do, like the one thing, sure, he came to heal Sure, he came to teach and bring the, the kingdom of heaven down to earth. But ultimately, the reason Jesus came to earth was to die. 
That was the mission. It was to die, take on the sins of the world, and raise from the dead and offer us life in him. That's it. That's why he came. And Peter, this passionate disciple of Jesus, during the one moment, the one moment that Jesus came for, denied him. Now that is significant because there is something major going on. Like every life change we see happen now, every time someone goes from death to life, every time someone makes a decision to follow Jesus, the 60-something baptisms we've seen over the last month, all of those people, listen, are connected to the single miracle of Christ taking on our sin, dying in our place, and raising from the dead. And it's in that moment where Peter's huddled around with people, and they're like, hey, you're one of Jesus' guys, aren't you? And he's like, no, I'm not that guy. Two more opportunities. Hey, aren't you? Aren't you with Jesus? No, 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 that's not me. No, no, aren't you with? No, that's not me. And so, sure, Peter's eager to have this conversation. But before he even faces Jesus, here's what I want us to think about. Peter watched this happen. Peter saw what happened and he denied Christ. And even after Jesus returns, maybe, maybe, maybe because of uncertainty of what to do, Maybe, maybe he didn't know what to do next, but Peter goes fishing. Now, I find this interesting because Peter's profession before Jesus was fishing. And now the greatest miracle that's ever happened has taken place. And Jesus has risen from the dead, and he's poured out his spirit on his disciples. And what does Peter do? Peter says, I think I'm going to go fishing. Now, maybe it's because the ministry didn't have support like it used to before Jesus was crucified. Maybe it's because the disciples just didn't know what to do next. I don't know. But Peter just went back to what he knew to do. He just went back to the same old thing. He didn't do anything different. He didn't do anything new. But he had just witnessed the greatest miracle in history. And he just went back to what he always did. Now, I want us to think about this for a second. Because you have seen God do some amazing things if you've been here over the last month. God has saved a lot of people. God's called a lot of people into freedom. And you've witnessed it. You've sat here. You've been a spectator. You've celebrated. Our church, listen, our church is good at celebrating baptisms. We're a happy church. We're a joyful church. We love seeing life change. Listen to me. We've spectated and we've seen it. But maybe you haven't understood what's going on beneath the surface. But the Spirit of God has been moving. But here's why this is important. See, they come off onto the land, they have breakfast with Jesus. And then in verse 15, it says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, well, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you don't want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this to him, he said, follow me. Now, last week, Pastor Josh told us that if you're wondering what to do next, you do the same thing you've always been doing since you started following Jesus. You follow him. You trust him. You take the next step. And here Jesus is saying the same thing to Peter. What did, what did Jesus say to Peter when he called him when he was a fisherman? Follow me. What does he say to him here? Follow me. It's the same path. It's the same step. It's the same plan every time. We need to follow him. But this interaction significant because Jesus is doing two things. One, he's restoring Peter. He's communicating to Peter, hey, I know you denied me three times, just like I told you you would. And so listen, right now, I'm going to ask you if you love me three times. And I need you to reaffirm to me, yeah, you do love me. But there's a second thing happening here. It's not just Jesus communicating forgiveness and grace and mercy to Peter. There's a second thing happening. See, every time he responds, he says, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. What he's doing is he's inviting Peter into the miracle. Peter had just gone back to what he was doing. Peter spectated, he watched, he took it in, said, that's awesome, I'm going to go fish now. And Jesus said, no, no, I need you to feed my sheep. I need you to feed my lambs. I need you to tend my sheep. Peter, I'm inviting you not just to spectate, but to participate. Listen, church, it has been so easy to come and go over the last month and celebrate and hoop and holler and clap and pat people on the back and know God's doing something, but then to leave this place and go back to your life Monday through Saturday and act like God's not doing anything new, but he is. And this morning, I need you to know, he is inviting you in to participate in what he's doing. Seasons like this don't come and go very often. Listen to me. God's doing something special. And it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. Listen, this shouldn't be a surprise. People are like, we haven't seen anything like this in so long. This is crazy. It's not a surprise to anybody. People have been praying. We've had students who have been praying for weeks leading up to the treat. We've had a group of junior boys, listen to me, that have been praying for six months before school, meeting together, asking God to save their friends, and he did. We've had people like our pastor, Pastor Josh, who in May was walking with the Lord and felt like the Lord telling him, hey, you need to get your church praying. And so a couple months ago, what did we do? He led us through these times of prayer. We've been praying for months. Why are we surprised that God showed up and we asked him to do it? Thank God for people like Seth Hathaway, the head of school at Prince, who's been planning and praying for something like this to happen. Thank God for people like Brother Bill Ricketts, through his faithfulness leading this church and that school for 40 years. Are you kidding me? This shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. We've been begging God to do it. And now that this moment's here, we're just going to spectate? No. God has something for each of us. Listen, when God does something in part of the body, he does it for the whole body. I woke up uh, like nine or ten days last Friday before last. Couldn't move my neck. <laughs> it was just like this. Hurt really bad. It's just now loosening up a little bit, still a little sore. And you know the worst thing about when your neck hurts? It just makes everything else worse, you know? My whole body, I'm just like sad, I'm mad, I'm praying with students to accept Christ, and I'm like, that's really good for you, you know, my neck's frozen. Really frustrating. But here's what you have to understand, when something like that happens in the body, it's not just isolated, it affects everything. Unfortunately, in churches a lot of times, we, we see this true, 
the neck pain of a church. We've seen a lot of scandals. We've seen a lot of pastors in sin. We've seen a lot of churches fall apart because something terrible that's happened, these scandals that maybe we've read about over the last few years. But how much more should it affect the body, not when something bad takes place, but when miracles happen? How much more should it affect the body that you belong to? If Prince is your family, if it's your home, how much more should what's taking place now affect the whole body? God is not relegated to the students theater up there. God's not relegated to the school on the other you know, half of the campus. God is present here and now, and he wants to work in your life. And he's saying, here I am. Look at everything I'm doing over and over and over again. Every student, every adult, every child that's baptized, over and over and over again. He's saying, look at what I'm doing. This is who I am. And I want you to be a part of this. See, Peter has this interaction with Jesus. And Jesus tells him over and over and over again and invites him in to lead and to tend the sheep and to follow him. And you want to know what the difference is between spectating and participating? About two pages over in Acts chapter 2, Peter begins to preach. (laughs) He begins to preach hard. The Holy Spirit begins to pour out on people. And it says in Acts 2 verse 41 that those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. You want to know what the difference is between spectating and participating in the Spirit? Spectating is 153 fish. Participating is 3,000 eternities changed. You might have things you go back to every day. God's probably blessed you. Probably he's taking care of you in a lot of ways. I mean, Peter just went and did what he was good at, and God blessed him. There were 153 fish. But when Peter decided, no, I'm going to participate in what God's doing, he didn't go back to what he used to do. He let go of what he was doing and did something new. And church, I'm just here to tell you, God wants to do something in your life. And I don't know what that is for you, but he wants to do something. I don't know what that looks like when you leave this place, but listen to me, God wants to do something because he is a God who works miracles and there is a miracle that has been taking place in this church. And when he does it for one, he wants to do it for all. I, I, I don't know if for you, some people in this room, maybe you've just been holding on and, and you need Jesus to save you. Listen to me, you don't need to wait another second. Listen, you might have some parents. Parents, you might be in here, and your, your student has accepted Christ in the last month. Listen to me. And because you're the parent, if you actually stopped and think about it, maybe Jesus has actually never saved you, but you have said nothing because you're prideful. And I'm just here to tell you, God wants to work a miracle in your life. And if you want God to change your family, then maybe, maybe you in here today need to give your life to the Lord. Listen, maybe some of you in here, maybe the pride is just that you haven't even stepped out and been obedient in baptism. And I'm telling you, this morning is the day to let go and take the step. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to over the last month that say, I want to get baptized. I just got to figure out some things first. (laughs) Man, taking the step of baptism is getting things together. It is figuring it out. Because what you're doing is you're learning to walk with the Lord. You're learning to be obedient. You don't need to spend more time in prayer before you get baptized. You don't need to sin less before you get baptized. What you need to do is go get in the water and let God move and work in your life. Listen, some of you in here have been holding on to sin and you've never talked about it. 
And I'm just here to tell you, God wants to free you from it, but you have to step out in faith and talk to somebody about it. There's one common denominator through everything that's happened with, with, with this season right now. One, people prayed together. They got in groups and they circled up and they huddled up and they said, God, we need you to save people. They prayed together and in community. And two, every conversation that's happened, people sought out someone they could talk to. So you're sitting here going, God doesn't do anything in my life, but you don't talk to anybody about it. You don't ask God to show up. You don't seek out the people that he's put in your life, the people in this room right now that you could seek out. So what God is doing right now is inviting you in to do something new and to experience this miracle that's been happening since Christ was crucified. This morning, now's the time. Don't wait. Participate. Don't just sit back and watch. Get in on what God's doing. Let's pray. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this sermon. May you trust and follow Jesus more and lead others to do the same. For more information, visit us at pabc.org.